she is a full-fledged kid. You can see her as a real person, and I think often in children's books, you don't get to see that. Narrating it gave me another level of understanding of what my book was about, and it put me in closer contact. To come into the studio and work with other people and make something together, it's just like a balm for the soul. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet actress Sheetal Sheth, award-winning writer Ava Chin, and book critic, essayist, and reporter Claire Dieterer. Tune in to hear the very personal reasons these authors wrote their audiobooks and the ways they are working towards more well-rounded representation through their work. Enjoy! Hi, this is Sheetal Sheth, the author of Always Anjali. I was inspired to write Always Anjali because I was looking for books that I felt represented the world and all of its children. I also felt like stories that kind of tell us about what's happening for especially kids of color and kids that may not have traditional traits or names or whatever they may be. I know that's something that we come up against. I've dealt with it as an adult and as a kid. So the name is something that's a big deal for me. I was asked to change my name many times when I started working as a professional actress. And it always made me very sad when people wanted to erase someone's ethnicity from them. And I started talking to kids about it. And it turned out that this was something that was continuing to happen with kids even now. So I wanted to write a book that showed kids that they don't have to change anything about themselves to, quote, fit in, whether it be their name, their clothes, where they come from, all the things that I know can be tough when you're a kid. I really wanted to put a spotlight on the fact that they were perfect exactly the way they were. If I had to describe what it was like to record this audiobook, I would say with one word, emotional. And I would say because it is such a personal story, and this book has been in my life for a while, so to be able to then kind of take this piece of it and express it in this way was... um, very personal to me. I am really excited for listeners to hear Anjali. I think that she's such a fun character. I think she's got big emotions. I think she's got big feelings and she expresses them. And for me, it was digging into those parts that were the most fun because you can see her as a real person. And I think often in children's books, you don't get to see that. And so I really love that she is a full-fledged kid, which of course involves big emotions. I will tell you, I have been reading this book for many years in front of many audiences, whether they be schools, bookstores, events. And so I actually know this book inside and out. I feel like I've memorized it. So for me, it was very exciting to not worry about all that and just kind of get in here and hopefully bring Anjali to life in a way that people haven't experienced yet. If I was to do this again, would I bring anything with me? I think I might bring kind of my earliest draft of the book. And, you know, fun fact, it wasn't always called Always Anjali. It was a different name when I first started out. I'm not going to say which one it is because I don't want people to feel bad because it's become a very popular name. And that's exactly why I changed it because it was a name that ended up being used in a big TV show and it became very cool. And I wanted her name to feel just more special than that. 
so I changed it. If I wasn't to record my audiobook myself, I would definitely cast a child, probably one of my kids. I did start listening to Bono's book, Surrender, because I started reading it. I'm a big U2 fan, and I went to his show, but I went to go read his book, and it's very dense. And I needed him to kind of tell me that story, so it was exciting to actually delve into that world and really love it. Where would I listen to audiobooks? Oh, definitely. I spend a lot of time going back and forth on subways, which is definitely where I'd be listening. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Once upon a restless night, a little girl named Anjali lay wide awake in her bed. She was turning seven the next day, and she had super important business on her mind. Bikes. All she wanted was one of her own. Finally, the sun rose and Anjali sprang out of bed. She zoomed downstairs right past her mom, not stopping until she found herself in front of a large box. Hi, I'm Ava Chin, the author of Moth Street. I wrote my book because I was really trying to understand my family. And I really wanted to understand why the family stories that I had heard my entire life were not reflected in the literature I was reading when I was growing up as a kid, whether it was learning about American history and the nation's first transcontinental railroad, or whether it was the experiences of people like my grandfather, who worked in a restaurant his whole life, or my mother, or my father, who I didn't know, why I didn't see more of their stories out there. If I had to describe what it was like recording my audiobook in one word, I would say edifying. Edifying because narrating it gave me another level of understanding of what my book was about, and it put me in closer contact with the book in a relatively short period of time. Hearing it in my own words made me feel more deeply connected to the story and helped me to understand the story in an even deeper way than perhaps all of the different iterations of writing and editing it did. I realized that I had great difficulty in pronouncing the word bespectacled. (laughs) I'm proud that I was able to give voice to our family stories, not just in the written word, but being able to bring their stories alive in my own voice. If I wasn't myself going to record my audiobook, I would have cast Nora Lum, a.k.a. Aquafina. <laughs> like me, Nora is also a girl from the Outer Boroughs, from Queens, and just like... I don't know, her punch and her verve. It just, for me, it makes perfect sense that she would narrate this audiobook. The last audiobook that I listened to and loved is Stephanie Fu's What My Bones Know. So good. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is actually at home, lying down in bed, almost like. I was going to take a nap, but instead laying down and communing with the author. 
I like to concentrate on the story, not like be distracted. And now, please listen to a clip from my audiobook. As I walk past the restaurants, vegetable stands, and open-air shopfronts that line Mott Street, the main artery that pulses through the heart of Chinatown, the sights and smells here are as familiar to me as my grandparents' kitchen. Roast duck and slabs of salted pork, vast bins of varying grades of dried shiitakes, baby shrimp, flower teas wrapped in cellophane packages. Plump dried oysters, plucked from their shells and naked, but for some black bearding and a spray of salt, so provocatively laid out that it almost hurts to look at them. Hi, this is Claire Dieterer, author of Monsters, A Fan's Dilemma. I wrote my book because I began thinking about the problem of what to do about the terrible person who makes great art when I was writing my last book. My previous book, a memoir titled Love and Trouble, was about growing up as a teenage girl in the 1970s and 1980s and what it was like to be sexually predated during that time. And in the book, I wrote quite a bit about Roman Polanski as kind of a emblematic figure of the male predator. And I finished writing the book. I'd researched Polanski a lot, thought about him a lot. I knew everything about his crime. I'd read the depositions. And even so, I still wanted to watch the films. And I thought, this is the core of a really interesting problem. So I began writing, sort of taking the question out for a spin, writing on it, and that was before Me Too. And then in 2017, when I was a few chapters into the book, sort of all hell broke loose, and I published the first chapter of the book as the essay, What Do We Do With the Art of Monstrous Men? And the book grew from there. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be collaborative. I think as a writer, you spend so much time alone, and this book in particular you know, it wasn't just a book. It was like a big fight. It was years of working out this argument and thinking about these terrible artists who'd done these bad things. And sometimes it got very lonely. And to come into the studio and work with other people, with Lisa and Will, and make something together, it's just like a balm for the soul after all that isolation. I realized I had trouble pronouncing like, I'm going to say, 17% of this book. I'm a person who really, I read a lot, and I really have that thing where I use words in my writing that I've seen written many times and I've never uttered aloud. I also use a lot of foreign words in my writing from languages I don't necessarily speak. So the book is just filled with unpronounceable words. I'm excited that listeners will get to hear me working my way through this problem. The project of this book was always, how do I make the process of thinking appear on the page? How do I take the reader through the experience of puzzling out this problem? And I think that I'm really excited for listeners to be with me as I think aloud about these things. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Woody Allen, 
Roman Polanski, or, pa- or Pablo Picasso. If they had to read my words out loud, they would really think about my argument and about the experience of the female consumer of their art. It's funny. For audiobooks, I really like books that give me information. I'm a really voracious reader. I read a lot of novels. I read a lot of literary nonfiction. But when it comes to audiobooks, I really like books that help me. And so I think the best audiobook I've listened to recently was Drinking a Love Story by Caroline Knapp. And it really made me think about my own sobriety and my own drinking and also kind of gave me some inspiration to continue being a sober person. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is the kitchen doing the dishes. There's always dishes. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. They were accused of doing or saying something awful, and they made something great. The awful thing disrupts the great work. We can't watch or listen to or read the great work without remembering the awful thing. Flooded with knowledge of the maker's monstrousness, we turn away, overcome by disgust. Or we don't. We continue watching, separating, or trying to separate the artist from the art. Either way, disruption. How do we separate the maker from the maid? This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash nextlisten.